Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode has been brought to you by the Wine to Wine Business Forum 2022. This year will mark the ninth edition of the forum to be held on November 7th and 8th of 2022 in Verona, Italy. This year will be an exclusively in-person edition. The main theme of the event will be all-round wine communication and tickets are on sale now. The second early bird discount will be available until September 18th. For more information, please visit us at winetowine.net. Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. I'm Cynthia Chaplin, and this is Voices. Every Wednesday, I will be sharing conversations with international wine industry professionals, discussing issues in diversity, equity, and inclusion through their personal experiences working in the field of wine. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate our show wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Voices. This is me, Cynthia Chaplin, and today I am so pleased to welcome Gary Green, He's the co-owner and CEO at Mount Yango Wines in the Hunter Valley in New South Wales in Australia. And Mount Yango is the only Aboriginal-owned winery in Australia, where Gary's making a huge impact by inspiring people to sort of bridge the cultural divide through educating and promoting Indigenous Australian art and contributing to scholarships at the National Indigenous Culinary Institute. So welcome to the show today, Gary. I'm so excited to talk to you. Hi, thanks very much for having me, Cynthia. Great pleasure. So I know you were originally in the beef business and sort of delivering Wagyu beef to food lovers all around Melbourne and Sydney. So how did you get into wine? And what inspired you to launch your original wine company, Gondwana Wines, in 2016? Yeah, so Gondwana Wines was actually a, a bit of a a bit of a brainchild of myself and um, my business partner and founding partner, um, Ben Hansbury. Um, I really wanted to tackle the negative stereotype around Aboriginal people and alcohol. But at the same time, I wanted to do it in a positive way where we promoted with authenticity, Aboriginal art and culture, not only to Australia, but to the world. And at the same time, I really wanted to use this new media being a wine bottle to really break down the barriers and I guess the glass ceiling about what the perception is of an Aboriginal business so that, you know, we're not just stereotyped as art, craft and tourism business that we can be, you know, like you said before, um, you know, I have a high-end Wagyu business. I do a lot with native foods and a number of other products. To go into the wine business for me or the wine industry, that was my main driver. It was really about creating, I guess, social change and a change of the narrative around the perception of Aboriginal people and alcohol. Well, I, I love the idea of breaking the glass ceiling with a with a wine bottle. I think that's that's fantastic in and of itself. Um, I, I know you went on to rebrand to from Gondwana to Mount Yango in 2019 with your business partner, Ben, as you said. Um, and Ben's not Aboriginal. So how do you infuse your joint culture and your values and mix those together with non-Indigenous Australians um, to, to take your goals forward of you know changing up the stereotypes? How do you and Ben blend and, and deal with, you know, a consumer base that is primarily probably not Indigenous Australians. Yeah, so in, in 2019, we, we rebranded to Mount Yango, um, and that was because um, we facilitated a deal. Um, 
in it with a small vineyard up in the Hunter Valley that sat at the base of Mount Yango. And we got the permission from the Wanarua people, um, which is the traditional owners of that area, to use Mount Yengo as the name, um, which means meeting place. And we thought that was, you know, um, a really special name and, and it really uh, encapsulated what we were trying to do moving forward. I think the, the main thing is that everyone talks, you know, it's not just based in Australia, but everyone talks globally about reconciliation and how, you know, First Nations people, and non-Indigenous people need to work together. And I think I like to call it, you know, cross-cultural hybrid economics where, you know, our business model is infused and the whole undertone of our business model is based on First Nations culture around respect, respect for country or caring for country, respect for our our own people and, and others. And, you know, in Aboriginal culture, Something's not mine, it's always ours. You know, we were a tribal and, and, and you know, we were a village and, and we all supported each other. So I think, you know, we br- I bring all the cultural aspect and now, you know, we're so lucky to have, you know, the most amazing um, business partner who's came into our business, with, which is Wayne Quillam. So Associate Professor Wayne Quillam. Wayne Quillam's another um, First Nations um, business person and world-renowned photographer and artist. So, you know, Wayne was originally our artist and brought in on the journey that Ben and I set forward. And, and I think it comes where to create this business model, we needed the skills of the oldest inhabitants being that cultural authenticity, that uh, ability of, of, of like, like I said before, around that caring for country and um, everything else. And then infuse that with, you know, our newest inhabitants, which has the technology um, to be able to do the bottling, understand the wine um, and and everything like that. So I think, you know, it's a natural synergy together to have, you know, both cultures come together. Uh, Yeah, I love that. I think it's so important, especially these days where, you know, we're really opening our eyes to a lack of diversity and a lack of inclusion to um, bring people together. And, and wine is a great way of doing that in so many ways. It is a natural product and it does require, you know, land that, that can be historically and culturally important. So I, it's, it's a really, it's a great concept of bringing those things together. You, you just said also that when you founded the company, one of your underlying principles was to break the stereotype around Aboriginal people and alcohol, which is usually a negative stereotype. I know you're a member of the Camilaro Nation. I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. Yeah, Camilaroi. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> One of the four largest Indigenous nations in Australia. And your mom has Danish-Irish heritage, so you come from a lot of culturally rich you know, background. How are you harnessing your background, your personal background, to create such a positive story and a positive image around Aboriginal people and alcohol? What like I'm kind of curious where that original negative stereotype came from and how you're finding ways to mitigate that sort of stigma, take that negative aspect away. Well, I think I think in any in any culture there's, you know, negative aspects where, you know, the media sensationalize things and I think, you know, Aboriginal culture is see it, touch it, feel it, taste it. It's rich. It's beautiful. Um, you know, like you only have to look at the art on the bottle. It pops. It's got a story behind it. It's living. It's breathing. It, it's not your traditional dot-painted art. It's abstract, but it's got meaning and stories behind it. I really wanted to bring that um, 
you know, to, to the world. Like I, I've been lucky enough that, you know, I embrace all my culture and I embrace, you know, all my heritage. I, I'm not, you know, some people ask, oh, are you half Aboriginal, are you half caste, are you things like that? No, I'm Aboriginal. Um, you know, I, I respect and admire um, my other heritage, but I live sort of my life by, you know, those Aboriginal cultural beliefs and, you know, I've been lucky enough, um, you know, to get an education and to be um, a, a voice. And I think, like I said earlier, for me to be able to um, represent my people and my culture and do it with authenticity and, and the support. And, and at, at first, I must admit, some of my um, Aboriginal family were like, even they sort of bought into that narrative. You can't have an alcohol business. It can't be an Aboriginal alcohol business. And I and I said, why not, aunt? Why can't we as Aboriginal people? We're not all alcoholics. We're not. We don't all have a problem with alcohol. There's alcohol problems across every culture. I said, let's really focus so that you know that next generation. You know, our kids are our our future. I hope that you know they listen to like podcasts like this, or they see our story and they go, gee whiz. That young Aboriginal boy that grew up, he grew up to be able to, you know, break a break a negative stereotype and he was the first Aboriginal person to open a wine company in Australia. If I can do that, imagine what the next generation can do. And, and I think that's what sort of drives us um, at, at Mount Yengo is, you know, just constantly trying to get positive media and positive affirmations, not just for our company, but for Aboriginal art and culture. Yeah, absolutely. I think back in the day, you know, we had such a, so much more of a mentorship um, going on, especially, you know, culturally and especially where people lived with their family. And, and we've kind of lost that. So being a role model um, in the way that you are doing and, and looking, you know, towards the next generation and, and being a leader is, is really important, especially when you are trying to combat, you know, a negative stereotype that could have been media created and certainly media sustained. So it's it's not an easy job, Gary. I'm, I'm so impressed with what you're doing. We, we know that Australia has this long history of wine production. You know, we all study it when we're, we're doing our wine studies, you know, at least 200 years of winemaking there. But you know, as you touched on, there's kind of a, a dark history about it. You know, a lot of Aboriginal people were resettled. And I know you've been working with the First Nations people and Aboriginal and Indigenous leaders and elders, you know, to make sure that culture is valued. You, you said you got their permission to, to start your winery in Hunter Valley. And you've pointed out something that I think is really important, that Australian winemaking um, has a lot of Italians and a lot of Greeks, you know, a lot of immigrants on the ground there, and people whose culture you know, has a lot of similarities with Aboriginal culture, family, extended family. Um, how are you finding it, putting all these pieces of the puzzle together, you know, to form partnerships and get get your your philosophy out there and to sort of revitalize the the Indigenous Australian you know, aspect of the winemaking industry. Yeah, I, I think like I, like I touched on earlier, like the media and, you know, the public always want to focus on the negative. And I think, you know, without being toxic positive, you know, I acknowledge and I think we need to acknowledge what's happened in the past and, and there are, um, you know, some truth tellings that, that need to be uh, undertaken. But I like to see it in the light that, 
our eyes are put in the front of our head to look forward, my grandfather used to tell me. And, you know, we need to acknowledge, like I said, what happened in the past. But I think, you know, it's so amazing to see, you know, to have, you know, in, in our wine business, we've got like the O'Leary Walker family from O'Leary Wines. You know, they're one of our winemakers. They're a reputable South Australian family that, that are supporting our vision. And, you know, they're helping us make our own great wine. And, and, you know, these are families who have this long tradition. And, yes, in the past there, there might have been atrocities, displacement, but now we're getting these families to buy in under the spirit of reconciliation. Um, and I think it, I think it's great. Like, you know, I, I like to think that, you know, if when we opened Gongwana and then it was Mount Yengo, if we could change the narrative or the perception of what one person thought, and we could educate them, and and they they opened a wine bottle at a dinner party, and they went, oh my god, that's a really good drop of wine. That's a Barossa Shiraz or an Adelaide Hill Chardonnay. Well, what's this? Uh, what's this about this Aboriginal art and this Aboriginal? Wow, that's a good. So there's a positive interaction, and I I like to think, you know, without like I said, without being toxic positive, that that has a ripple effect across the pond, and you know, I like to think that. You know, we, we say at Mount Yengo, embrace the change that's in every bottle. And I think slowly but surely, we're educating people. And, and you can't educate someone until they're engaged. And I think, you know, what we're trying to do with Mount Yengo through, you know, supporting the Culinary Institute out there, like, you know, we're stocked three varietals, coal supermarkets through their vintage seller's first choice, Liquor you know, this is a major Australian retail supermarket chain that has a corporate and social responsibility, but they've bought into our product and our story to help not only sell great wine to consumers, but also to help us together as, a, as an Indigenous business and a non-Indigenous business walk together as one to tell this story about our culture. And I, and I think that's an amazing thing to be a part of italian wine podcast brought to you by mama jumbo shrimp absolutely it's it's so important especially when you think about the impact of just one person one bottle one glass of wine at a time it sounds small but you do create a wave um and and i think that's that's an amazing way to to sort of promote and move forward what you're doing and you did you mentioned about your labels and Wayne and I know that you've been committed at, at Mount Yango to these brand labels that feature art from Indigenous Australians and I had a quick look now I'm not going to lie on the website and many of your labels represent really strong Aboriginal women but they are not in any way shape or form like the dot paintings as you said tell us about Wayne, tell us about the artist and why you chose him and, and what he's doing and what his images said to you that you put them on your bottles. So initially when we reached out to Wayne, like I'm all about, you know, like I said before, breaking the perception. Like, you know, I, I like to think I'm an undercover brother. Like, you know, uh, I, I'm a fair-skinned, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, proud Aboriginal Australian, you know, proud Camilleroy man. You know, I've got definitely some Danish... Irish features in me, um, but I've also got many Aboriginal. And my mum used to always say to me, you know, son, you can put as much milk in tea as you want, but it's still tea. And I think, I think based off that, why I reached out to Wayne was his art wasn't 
atypical skeleton art or dot painted art. It was abstract and it really showed what I like to think is the diversity of Aboriginal people and Aboriginal culture from traditional Aboriginal people who live in, you know, remote communities, you know, in the central desert to the coastal communities and everyone in between, you know. And I think Wayne, you know, we're so lucky now that Wayne actually has become an equity partner. Um, he started off as our artist. Now he's a, a, an equity partner and bought into our vision moving forward. And, you know, Wayne's a, a world award-winning photojournalist, photographer, and artist. He, he just recently won the Australian National Portrait Prize, you know, out of the whole of Australia. You know, he's an amazing, amazing human. And, you know, his art speaks volumes of our culture and him. And, you know, women in our community and in our, our culture, they're our matriarchs, you know. They, they are. We call Mother Earth, Mother Nature. They're the matriarchs of our society. And, you know, it's really interesting when Wayne originally did, I believe it was his Luana series that, that adores on some of our bottles. They're pictures of prominent Aboriginal women. But then the abstract nature, which I think is beautiful, is he actually, they're all photographs from parts of country that those women come from. So if they're from uh, the sea people or sea country, that there's parts where Wayne's photographed out on country with them people of of kelp and seaweed and rocky coastlines and water, and it's all infused digitally to make, you know, that masterpiece that, you know, is Wayne's art and uh, and is on our bottle. And, you know, I think Wayne's worked in so many communities and with so many mob for so many years. You know, it's a real pleasure for me, uh, uh, like I said, as a pr- proud Camilleroy man, you know, to stand there with Wayne and be able to promote this culture and continue on this, you know, cultural education journey through art um, and also wine. It, it, I have to say when I was looking at the labels, and for anyone who hasn't seen them, I, I recommend go on Mount Yango's website because they are really compelling images of, as you said, like very strong female figures within their landscape they they really were evocative and they spoke to me of sort of where you are and where your wine is coming from. And for me, wine can be artwork too. So I, I really like the idea of taking the time to carefully select an artist whose work obviously clearly represents everything in your ethos and put those labels on the bottle. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to actually holding one in my hand someday because the images are, are really, truly striking so good choice i think on that too like to you know further credit to wayne and and what i think where art transcends so many boundaries this year at the sydney vivid festival the vivid light festival um, which actually coincided on reconciliation week wayne's art was actually projected as part of the light show every night um, on the sydney harbour bridge pylons now that, that art um, a few of those pieces of Wayne's art were actually um, the labels on our bottles. So, you know, I felt so honoured for Wayne and also for Mount Yango, um, but more so for Wayne, that this is probably one of the most, other than the Opera House in Sydney, if you think of Australia and you said Sydney, Australia, normally people think of the Opera House or the Sydney Harbour Bridge. So to have this beautiful artwork projected every night for 
the local community to see, but also, you know, photographed and, and videoed and, and televised around the globe. What an amazing statement for reconciliation to show the diversity of Wayne's beautiful work and everything it encapsulates, tied on one of the most prominent landmarks in modern Australia. That's that's so incredible, and you you put it all into one sentence, um, tying the the entire past, present, and future together into one, you know, kind of living, moving, breathing exhibition on you know a, a world iconic landmark. That's that's really how cool. I'm gonna have to look that up on YouTube. Yeah, I'll send I'll send you some I'll send you some photos. Um, I'll send you it's it's amazing. And, and like I said earlier in in the conversation. What people need to understand about Aboriginal culture is it's living, it's breathing, it's see it, touch it, feel it, taste it. So to see it come alive on the opera house and, you know, I must admit I was so proud for Wayne, you know, for all his hard work and everything he's done in community and the most amazing work he does with his art and his photography, to have that, you know, and talking to Wayne post that, you know, he was so proud and so he should have been. But that was, to me, as an Aboriginal person, that was an amazing statement to be able to say to all of my friends, whether they're, you know, black, white, blue or brindle, hey, go down and see my business partner, his artwork, and some of that art features on our bottles is projected on the Harbour Bridge. And I think, you know, I, I talked earlier about inspiring our young ones and our little people. It's not only, you know, First Nations young ones. It's all those, every other culture that was there that saw it and went, wow, this is this is mainstream. This is what's normal now. And you know, and I think that we all talk about reconciliation and moving forward and moving forward together as one. You know, I thought that was a really amazing and lovely statement um, that brought it all together. And it's so validating for everything that Wayne is doing, everything that Matt Yango is doing. Um, I. I love that great feeling of of acceptance and validation and and really coming together that way. But it, it kind of it, it gives me another question. You know, when we're talking about Aboriginal place names and Aboriginal art, things like that, a, a lot of these things have huge spiritual significance for Australian Indigenous groups. And I'm just wondering um, how you and and Wayne, I'm sure, can help people draw a line between supporting and paying respect to Aboriginal culture and cultural appropriation. You know, I know when I see Australian wine in the shops, often it will have dot art paintings and things. Where, When are people crossing a line that they should really be stepping back and thinking about? Um, I think um, the, the best way is communication. That That's the key. Like, you know, if in doubt, ask. And I think so many people just go out and do um, instead of consultation with you know, Aboriginal traditional owners or, you know, um, the clan groups uh, and the like. And I think that's the best advice I can I can give anyone. Like I can only speak for myself and my immediate family. I can't speak on behalf of the Camilleroy Nation or on behalf of broader, you know, Aboriginal Australians. I can only speak for me and my family. And I think, you know, in, in that regard, it's, you know, Embrace, embrace that community consultation. You know, sit down there. Like Aboriginal people want uh, their culture. In Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, they want their culture out there, where you know it's not, you know, a top secret thing. And and I think the more that uh, companies and community work together, 
um, you know, I think that'll help, you know, rule out a lot of, you know, the, uh, the cultural sort of misrepresentation that can sometimes be seen out there in the marketplace. Yeah, I agree with you. I, and I think that's really wise advice to, to keep a conversation going and to ask questions if you're not sure. Um, I think that's, that's probably the best way we can, we can make sure that, that people aren't doing things that are disrespectful, even when they have the best of intentions. So Yeah, and, and I think, you know, like it, it's great that, you know, I, I know my time in Australia here, we obviously have Australia Day or Invasion Day on the 26th of January, which is always a very sort of hot topic. Um, we have Reconciliation Week and NAIDOC Week. They're the two other big weeks um, of the year. And it's great. Like my phone rings so much and it's so many uh, non-Indigenous people ringing me up saying, hey, Gary, I'd like to understand what I can actually do um, to support Aboriginal people and Aboriginal businesses, but I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to overstep the mark. Can you guide me? You know, and it, it's so refreshing because even sort of five, seven years ago, my phone didn't ring like that. So it's so amazing to see in mainstream society that, you know, people are a lot more aware and conscious about what, what they're doing. Well, I'm really glad that you've given people someone they can look to for answers and, um, you know, someone they can look to for that kind of leadership and mentorship, because clearly you, you're doing it in a very um, diplomatic and, and, you know, spiritually generous way, you know, non-judgmental and, and really wanting the best for everyone. It's very obvious in everything you do. So, um, I'm, you know, that leadership, I, you're very humble about it, but you are definitely giving people a point of reference, which is needed. And you're filling a gap that I think is, is super important. So, um, I thank you for that. But I want to, I want to, go back to something you said earlier about um, everything else that Mount Yango is doing, as if that weren't enough, <laughs> which is plenty. Um, every, every bottle that you sell, donations are being made to the National Indigenous Culinary Institute. So I did not know what that was myself. Um, and so let's talk about that a little bit. What is the Institute and what made you want to get involved with them? What are they doing? Yeah, so the National Indigenous Culinary Institute, I'm actually lucky enough that Oh, I, a, bit, a year and a half ago, I got appointed as a board member to the National Indigenous Culinary Institute. It was set up over 10 years ago um, by a number of prominent um, Australian chefs who worked in hatted restaurants um, like the Neil Perrys of the world and the Jill Duplay, who's the chief editor of um, the Good Food Guide and things like that. And it's designed to train young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander chefs and put them in the fine dining and hatted restaurants in Australia. And, you know, we spoke before off air, um, before we came on, and I think it's so amazing that, you know, for me being in where so much of my wine is sold in the hospitality industry, to be able to be in a position to be a board member, but now to be able to help the Culinary Institute not rely on government grants but a commercial outcome and I've got a simple saying, you don't get social outcomes without commercial outcomes or it's not sustainable. And I think this is a great way where, you know, we as a business are actually giving back, but we're actually in, investing into the future storytellers for our business and other native products and other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander businesses in Australia because it's elevation by association when these chefs and we've got so many qualified chefs that are already out in some of the best restaurants in Australia. 
they are our natural cultural storytellers. How good would it be if you're sitting in a fine dining restaurant, the chef comes out, the chef says, hey, this is a native ingredient, this is what it is, it's really well paired with Mount Yengo wines. Do you understand about the story behind Mount Yengo? Can I tell you this story? And, and, and I think, you know, we're in a very unique space where there was very low representation and the Culinary Institute does an amazing job with our training and retention. And, you know, I, I give a shout out to restaurants like Rockpool um, Group Australia, Icebergs, um, you know, they have taken these students on, you know, Margaret at Double Bay with Neil Perry, um, you know, and, and it's so amazing to see these backstories of these chefs, but then the pride that they're now inspiring other young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, but what they're also doing is they're in a whole new sector where there was low representation before that they're interacting with all these other people and all these other cultures and they're passing on that positive cultural message. And I I just think that's, you know, amazing. And, you know, Mount Yengo Wines are so proud of our association uh, with the Culinary Institute, and, and and I and I know it'll be one that you know continues um, forever and a day. Well, I I absolutely agree with you. I'm a wine educator myself, and investment has to go hand in hand with education. It's not enough to educate somebody. Um, you know, they you have got to give them the financial backing that allows them to continue you know, learning and growing and being able to take up jobs in you know sophisticated situations. And then, as you said, be the storyteller. Uh, for me, in my life as a wine presenter, the storytelling is everything. And without that, you lose the thread. It just becomes alcohol. Um, so I, I love that you're investing and educating. I think those two things should never be separated or or we'll just fail in our mission to be more inclusive in the industry. So No, I, t- I totally agree. And you have to look at our culture. Like, you know, we're the longest continuing surviving culture in the world, like, you know, we've got carbon dating of over 60,000 years for remains in Australia. We, we're an oral culture. We're natural storytellers. We pass down our stories through song, dance, um, and, and orally. So, you know, it makes perfect sense that, you know, we continue in the kitchen and, and in the restaurants to continue to tell the story and, and pass on, you know, to all of these other, other people. You know, our beautiful stories about our culture, our native ingredients. And, you know, it's been so humbling to see so many of the hatted restaurants and the fine dining restaurants around the globe, you know, embracing native products. Like this year on uh, the Australian television series MasterChef, the most amazing chef, Mindy Woods, and I'll give her a plug, hello, sister, Mindy Woods at Kakala at Byron Bay. She's just, what she's doing with native food and native food ingredients is amazing. And I think, you know, food goes with wine hand in hand. So our support of the Culinary Institute, not only does it educate, but it assists us as part of our marketing as well. So it's a a social and commercial synergy that is amazing for all parties. Everyone's a winner. Uh, absolutely. And I wasn't going to bring it up, but I, I am a, a longstanding decades fan of MasterChef Australia. It's my favorite of all the MasterChefs because I do think it has the biggest spirit and actually does more teaching 
than most of the other uh, master chefs around the world. So are you going to invite master chef up to Mount Yango? Oh, well, Mindy Woods has so generously offered to um, stock the wine at Kakala, which is a Aboriginal-inspired restaurant in Byron Bay on Bundjalung country, very close to where I live now. And, um, you know, I'd love to get, you know, some of the master chefs or, you know, any of those cooking shows where they could come up and actually cook on country um, and hear that story. But not only from me, but, you know, one of the things that, you know, part of that education process is getting some of those chefs out with the traditional owners where those native products come from and where our wine comes from and actually talking to the local traditional owners and the local mob and hearing their story. Like, you know, I, I see Mount Yengo as a great conduit and a connector for people to, you know, dip their toe in the water around Aboriginal art, culture, but then hopefully it's just the first step on a long and continuing journey and a, and a journey of lifelong learning around our culture and embracing that acceptance of our culture. Well, it, it's also so interesting how the education has has spread globally by, you know, television programs like MasterChef Australia, where I think, you know, people in in Iowa in the United States or, you know, Berkshire in the UK or Verona here in Italy, you know, never heard of Myrtle or any of these other things and have learned so much uh, through that exposure. So I think what you're doing, getting exposure out there, um, creating these alliances with with chefs, with the Institute, is is educating more people than you know and, and having a, a broader reach than than probably you expected when you started. Yeah, it's been it's been amazing. Incredible. Totally amazing. Like our wine's stocked everywhere. Yeah, it's incredible except not in Italy, unfortunately. We have to rectify that. Well not yet, but we we are we are work, we are working on expanding, like I said, we're um, you know, we're in the United States already um, through a really amazing company called Legend Imports, and that started our little journey there. Um, you know, we've got Coles, like we said um, earlier, um, with a national contract for free varietals, and they've been an amazing supporter. Well, yeah, you just signed that deal not long ago. Congratulations! Yeah, no, thank you so much. So tell tell me about tell me about this deal. What you've given them three varietals. What have you given them? What's going out there? So that's a Shiraz, a Pinot Gris, and a sparkling. Mm-hmm. And I think you know that there's something there for everyone. And I think they're very popular varietals here in Australia. It gives us good market coverage across the board um, to to tell that message, and you know it's been very well received. Coles actually came as part of Reconciliation Week. They brought near thirty of their senior management across the liquor business, uh, the Indigenous engagement team, and strategy and management, and they actually came to a wine tasting. But it was more than a wine tasting; it was a cultural immersion experience put on by Mount Yenga, where you know, we sat around and we all talked and we, and we all shared and Wayne spoke about his art firsthand and, you know, spoke about his experiences and my experiences and the journey. And, you know, it was so amazing to see so many of these high-level executives and category managers for such a major organisation have such buy-in for our product and our story so that they could go back and educate, um, you know, their staff further on um, – on our story. And I think that was just, you know, phenomenal. Yeah, it's incredible, especially when you've got, you know, a partnership going with such a huge, you know, corporate organization like Coles. Um, 
they handle uh, the majority of our um, wholesale. And it was so amazing. Bitfood got 10 of their um, sales staff on an hour call with Wayne, Ben and myself to learn our story and learn about our product and learn about our culture and our, our not only our value proposition and our price point, but all of these other, all this other intrinsic capital that they've gone out now to their clients, and you know they've got they've gotten the most amazing traction and opportunities that are here already, but also in the pipeline with some other major um, corporations here in Australia, which we're really um, happy um, to be part of that sort of bid food network as well. So all of this that you're doing uh, sounds like you don't have one single free minute in your in your day. Um, but I, I do want to ask you, I always ask this question when I find somebody as inspiring as you are. And I can tell, you know, that you, you are full of ideas and it, you're so passionate about what you do. So I have to ask you, what are your hopes and dreams for Mount Yanga over the next couple of years? You know, you you are filled with um sort of this verb for what you're doing and I just want to know you know what outside of the box things have you got in mind coming up yeah so we're obviously looking at expanding our our export markets um, we definitely like to uh, go over to Italy um, we're working currently um, with the United Kingdom but one of the other projects that we've been uh, looking at is looking at how using our business model that we can actually help and assist other first Nations, people in other countries. So uh, one of the projects that we've looked at is with one of the major cruise ship lines to look at how we can actually get traditional artists and First Nations artists in countries like Vanuatu, Fiji and the like, where predominantly they don't have uh, wine growing areas and, and good wine, to be able to get those traditional owners to give us the art and the story to put, pair it with some really good Australian wine so that when people are at some of those resorts, at some of those, you know, on the cruise ships and things like that, that they're actually getting a localised story. So I think um, for Mount Yengo, we're about, you know, our business model service before self. How can we serve others before we serve ourselves? And we think that, that that's our sort of company ethos. So, you know, I'd love to see uh, over the next two or three years uh, Mount Yengo, we've established ourselves now both domestically and we're growing internationally, how that we can leverage off the great work that we've achieved so far. We can leverage that to assist not only First Nations people here, but First Nations people in other countries. And we can continue that educational platform of hopefully educating and inspiring um, all people um, you know, to walk that path together as one under the spirit of reconciliation. Well, Gary, I don't think we're going to get any better than that. I think that is a great dream and a great vision. Uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on today and sharing all your thoughts and your experiences with Mount Yango. It's such a success story. And as you said, it's something that younger generations can look to and, and feel a part of and feel proud of and aspire to do similar things. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. And we wish you every success in the near future. No, thank you so, so much for having me and um, letting me, uh, you know, it, it's, it's podcasts like this and people like yourself that, you know, assist us in telling our story and, you know, forever thankful and grateful for the opportunity. All right. Have a great day. Thank you, you too.
We hope you enjoyed today's episode brought to you by the Wine to Wine Business Forum 2022. This year will mark the ninth edition of the forum to be held on November 7th and 8th, 2022 in Verona, Italy. Remember, the second early bird discount on tickets will be available until September 18th. For more information, please visit us at winetowine.net. I'm Joy Livingston, and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love, and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.